you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We've already read this, but we'll read it again, verses 10 and 11, for this brief 65-minute devotional. (laughs) Kidding. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 10. This is God's holy, inspired, and therefore inerrant word. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That sends the reading of God's Word. Let's pray together. Lord, now we ask that the same Spirit who spoke to Luke would now illumine the words that he wrote down for us, that we might understand the goodness of the good news this Christmas Eve. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been watching college football. I know nobody else in here has been watching it, but you may have noticed a uh, an advertisement from Home Depot. It says there's you know 200 and something draft spots and 400,000 trade jobs available. Home Depot committed to partnering to fill those trade jobs. Now, what do trade jobs have to do with this text in Luke's gospel? I think that lack, as it were, 400,000, I don't know if that number's accurate, didn't do the fact-checking on it, but lots of trade jobs open. I think it's indicative of a general trend in our society, which was noticed long ago, but continues to this day, to despise manual labor. But that somehow you have to have a college degree and do all kinds of things with education in order to really make something of yourself. Now, degrees are wonderful, education is great, I'm a huge fan of all of that. But I think that tendency to despise manual labor is something that infects our Western culture, but we're not alone. As we've said throughout this series, you'll read a lot of headlines and stories in popular magazines this time of year, or newspapers, or scrolling through your feed, that Christianity simply borrowed from the pagan myths around them. That Christianity is indebted to, say, the the myth of Isis from ancient Egypt, or certain other dying and rising God myths from this mid-second century in Rome. And as we come to the story of the shepherds tonight, here's one more piece of evidence that shows us that that's manifestly not true. If you were going to make up a religion or borrow a religion and make up something from what you borrowed, you would not have the baby being born and noticed by shepherds who were the ancient equivalent of tradesmen. And we we hear sometimes people say, you know, they were the most despised people in the ancient world. That's not the case either. It's not that they were despised, my friends, is that they were insignificant, as one author put it, or just overlooked. They were just the kind of job that you didn't want to have. It's a messy job. It's a dirty job. It's a smelly job. Long hours, low pay. And here we come to Luke's gospel, and we've said that he's the most accurate in terms of all the gospels are accurate. There's no errors in them. But as a historian, we see that he's the one most concerned with the details of what happened. He opens his gospel telling us that. And so he wants to tell us about the shepherds tonight. Two things really quickly from this text. Why is Christianity different? Because of the scandal of the gospel and because of the sweetness of the gospel. What's the scandal of the gospel here? Well, first, as I mentioned, 
that the angels appear to shepherds. They could have appeared in Jerusalem where the learned centers of rabbinical uh, study were happening. They could have appeared to Herod's palace, the seat of earthly power there in ancient Jerusalem. But instead, God sends the hosts of heaven to a menial task of shepherds. And there they were at night, and the heavens opened, and they got a message. And it's the same message that we've read before in Scripture. This wasn't a new message. But it was scandalous because so many people had been tempted to read it the wrong way. Remember, did you see what they announced there? Don't be afraid. Again, I've said this before, you see this time of year, pictures of angels, sweet little like white baby cherubs that nobody's terrified of. Not biblical angels. Okay, biblical angels, when you see a biblical angel, this is what happens. You're terrified. Okay, so fear not, they say, the first thing. And then they say it's good news for all the people, or translated literally, for all people. And this is picking up on probably five or six different prophecies in the book of Isaiah, where in Jesus' day, the Jewish authorities were tempted to read those prophecies as only for the Jewish nations. But all throughout the Old Testament, beginning even back in Exodus, God told his people, this good news is for everybody. It's for all nations. That was scandalous to these people who first heard it. No, we were the chosen people. Not all the nations. No, just us. And that same kind of undue exclusivity can infect Christians today, can it? We think that we alone have this corner on the truth because of our doctrinal commitments. Friends, Christianity is the truth. But the kingdom is a big kingdom, is it not? Baptists, Presbyterians, all kinds of difference. You know, I heard the joke a pastor said once when a Baptist uh, minister died and went to heaven. Either a Presbyterian or an Anglican minister, any denomination. And he was walking around and he was talking to, to Peter. And Peter said, keep your voice quiet. He said, why is that? He said, because the Presbyterians think they're the only ones here. <laughs> That's how we can be. We can be unduly exclusive. That's what had happened to the Jewish people here. And yet... The angels announce it's for all the nations. And so Christianity is different and the gospel scandalous because it's simultaneously inclusive, anybody can get in on it, and exclusive. The only way to God is through Jesus. No other world religion will do, only Jesus. And then it's scandalous because of what's announced. That the Christ, which is an English translation of the Greek word Christos, which translates another Hebrew word, which means Messiah. So Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name, it's his title, Jesus the Messiah. That the Christ, the Messiah, comes as this little helpless baby. Again, if you're making up a new religion, you don't have God become a dependent little child. That screamed and cried, and we, it's okay love hearing babies. This reminds us, it's actually perfect timing. This reminds us, we, we, and y'all have heard me rant about this a little bit, and I'll stop after this, but we, we, we sing that hymn, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. No, he cried. He cried very much loudly because he was truly human, even as he was truly God. That's scandalous, that the Lord, that title there, Curios, 
Most of the Jews of this day read a Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. And when you read the Septuagint, every time the holy name of the Hebrew God is mentioned in the Septuagint, it uses this word, kurios, that we translate Lord. So the angels are telling the shepherds, God has become man. The Lord you've heard about your whole life in synagogue is now laying in a manger. Scandalous. But it's sweet too, isn't it? We can lose the sweetness of the good news if we don't understand what they're saying to us here. It's good news for all people because a Savior has been born. Uh, the founder of the seminary I attended up in Philadelphia, a guy by the name of J. Gresham Machen, put it this way. He said, Christianity does not begin with repent and believe. Now that's important, and you'll get there if you read the Gospels long enough. The Christianity, Christianity does not begin with repent and believe. It begins with, for unto you this day a Savior is born in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. In other words, Christianity begins, to use Machen's memorable phrase, with a triumphant accomplishment. In other words, the gospel begins with what God has done, not what you are to do first and foremost. And that, my friends is the difference between Christianity and everything else on offer. Everything else, every other world religion, every other philosophy, every other worldview begins with ethics, begins with how you're supposed to live in order for whatever gods or God might exist to accept you. The gospel begins with an announcement, a declaration of what God has done for poor, helpless people like us. That's what Christmas ought to remind us of. Everybody in here, no matter your accomplishments, no matter your lack of accomplishments, everybody in here is weak. Everybody's sinful. Everybody's blown it. Everybody's failed. Everybody has not lived up to certain expectations. Your families aren't perfect. Your lives aren't perfect. You can put on a good face, but all of us know deep down inside one of the common threads of sinful humanity is that we've all blown it. And that's why the gospel begins here, not with a damning do, but with a triumphant done in the place of sinners. That's why it's sweet. And then it's also sweet, my friends, because it's for all people. And here's, here's the pattern in the Old Testament. If you read the book of Judges, What happens? Israel messes up. They run after their idols. They cry out to God. He sends a judge. The judge delivers them. The cycle repeats itself. And that goes through the judges to the kings all the way through the Old Testament. And here's the thing you get if you take the time to read the Old Testament. At least one thing you'll walk away with is, boy, is this God really patient. Because Israel keeps getting itself into a mess and God keeps delivering them. And then here is the triumphant, ultimate deliverance for all people. Anybody can get in on this. That's the sweetness of the good news. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, black or white or any other racial designation as we have it. None of that matters. All that matters is that you come to the Savior. That you say, this is not just a Savior out there, but He's my Savior for my sins, for what I've done wrong. And that's why as we sang in the carol 
about the humility of Christ. Only the humble will come, and you can only be humbled when you know by God's grace that you need Him. And here's, I think, the sweetest part of all. The most overlooked, the most underappreciated, the people that, God, that, the, people that the world thought were the furthest away from God's grace are the ones He delights to draw the closest to. And maybe that's you this evening. Maybe you've made a mess of things. We all have. And the, the worst thing you could do this Christmas season would be to walk out of here and to think that this is just sentimentalism. That it's just about family. Now, family is wonderful. It's great to be with family. It's great to be with friends. It's great to be together as a church. But if that's what Christmas is to you, then yes, it will be a disappointment and will get more disappointing each year. But if, with Luke, listening to the Word of God, we remember that Christmas is not just one day a year, but an entire lifestyle of receiving and believing the accomplishment of God, then every day will be Christmas. Every day there will be good news. Every day there will be something sweet to celebrate. Every day we get the gift of new morning mercies from this same God who in His mercy sent angels to shepherds to tell them about the King of kings and Lord of lords. So what difference does Christianity make? What makes Christianity difference? different? The biggest difference is that it's all what God does for us, my friends. It's all of grace from start to finish. That's good news on Christmas Eve and every day. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the goodness of the good news. That we who were lost, like Israel of old, like the nations around Israel, are found by your grace and by your grace alone. So help us, Lord, every day to once again repent and believe, but repent and believe because we believe the announcement of the angels to the shepherds. Help us all in here tonight to begin with what you've done for us and lay our deadly doing down. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.